so this is, uh, I've written, either authored or co-authored uh, 50 books, all since I moved here to Nashville. So I've been here 25 years, So, but I started only writing 24 years ago. And one of these days I'm going to catch up with RT, you know. And um, so I was asked by this publisher to write what they asked me to do would be a modern-day classic. And they asked me to pray about it, and I said, uh, five seconds later, I said, I'll do it. Because uh, I felt like I had been praying already, you know, most of my life about this. And so I put, brought together some of the best of my past materials and integrated it with the best of my present. And then I looked into the future of what I would want to say to a coming generation. So it's an amalgamation of, uh, I've actually been prophesying for 48 years, I think it is. And uh, I've been in full-time vocational ministry for something of that nature, actually. Um, so um, the subtitle is something I really wordcrafted uh, diligently over, prayed over which is creating and sustaining a life-giving prophetic culture. Now, Jerry, I can't remember. I think that we have sent 200 copies of this hard copy edition to give away free today. Now, there's not 200 people here, and I'm not taking these back home. So that means they're over there and that you can take bundles of these home with you. These are free gifts. These are free gifts from our ministry. I have grown up with the Sermon on the Mount, which I hope you have also, which means freely you have received, freely give. Amen. And I believe in finding good soil. That's what Jesus taught. I believe the parable, okay, I need to be careful. I need to reel it in. Hi, Jane. Reel it in. It's the parable, I believe, of the soil, not the parable of the seed. Because the seed is all the same. It is the parable of the soil. I look for good soil. You are good soil. And so this is creating and sustaining a life-giving prophetic culture. That in itself is a huge lesson. This is to you, Karen, and for your husband. This is for Phil Dillingham. I think I might have given you one previously. And then this is for Mark. Lancaster, and for your darling wife, and that's for you, Jerry, and um, Jerry, thank you for sending me your picture, and uh, I'm going to leave that, but it, it meant the world to me to yeah. see a picture of Jerry um, holding hands of someone and praying with that person, and uh, just tell you, I just want to say, dreams even hard dreams that can be difficult. When you pray into them, folks, and you're a person of perseverance, perseverance matters. Perseverance pays off. And that, too, is a quality of the Sermon on the Mount. And perseverance matters. And so I want to commend before the Lord this team that has been serving you over the last few years of the steering team of Worship City Alliance. Amen. God bless you.
Can I stay up here just a moment? Yeah, just stay with me. Um, my gosh. You know, it is the first part of September, and usually, if you've been following this over the years, you know, James, it's time to be honoring here, right? And, uh, you know, I came to town in 92. I'd always wanted to move to Nashville, and I love this city, and I'm part of it now. Didn't know it was all going to work out the way it did. But I love it that you're in my life, especially R.T. (laughs) Oh, he's sitting there. He's watching us. I love you guys, and I'm so grateful. We have had uh, the blessing over the years of um, honoring the keeper of the flame, who has worked, as you said, what, diligently and steadfastly as this team? Perseverance, that's it. So we had Glenda Sutton as one of the, the folks that we honored. And we've had Don Fento, Bob Perry, of course, and then Ricky and Sharon Skaggs. Campbell Knight, bless his heart. I saw him out in Myrtle Beach. It's time to do it again, James. So I've got something for you, James. And uh, I wonder if you just hold this mic for me. Read that. Okay. All right. Well, my name is not on here. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm offended. (laughs) The first recipient for the Keeper of the Flame was actually um, our friends Scott and Sarah McLeod. And then we've had Bob Perry and we've had Kimball Knight, myself. Jerry Bryant, and um, we've had Ricky and Sharon Skaggs and, and uh, others, and Don Fento. But here is the Keeper of the Flame Award for 2021, Pastor Phil Dillingham. You can step over here in the middle. In recognition of the years of functioning as a convener of the brethren, bringing Nashville leaders together for the purpose of strengthening and unity. And Jerry, would you read this next paragraph? If I can, between tears. This dear friend has walked with me through many hard times and prayed for me and been faithful. With an open heart of compassion and empathy, with a heart of caring for people during the trials and troubles in their lives. You've been a pastor to pastors, a shepherd who mends the flock of God. You're a model of inclusiveness, encouragement, and and a diligent defender of truth. God's gift to his people in Nashville. And from Jeremiah 3.15, And I will give you pastors according to my own heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Phil, I love you. 
And you are worthy to receive this. I'm so glad you came today. <laughs> Let's pray for him. If you just come right in the middle there, the hot seat. <laughs> oh, Lord, we just ask that show us the prayers to pray for this dear man who's experienced the highs and the lows, the gains and the losses. But he stayed consistent and faithful. And our heart is to honor him as you have honored him. Lord, just show us exactly what you want us to say. Because, Phil, we want you to be lifted up and encouraged. And the scripture very clearly tells us to encourage our brothers. And we want this to be an encouraging moment for you. That what you have released in this city and so many lives of people who have followed you and love you. You'll never know until eternity. We're so grateful. I have a word for him. Thank you for permission to give this to him. I ask the Lord, what would you say to this man of God? We love you, Phil. You are you are a very humble leader. Like you're a broken man. Like it's very refreshing to be around you because you don't have a, like a fame mentality or pride. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna. Something that's going to be placed on you, God said, put this on him. But first of all, there's a crown on you already. It's a crown of righteousness. There's a crown of, of uh, life upon you. Amen. These things are upon you, uh, this crown of righteousness and life. But the word that the Lord told me to put on you comes out of Judges 3. When the children of Israel sinned, God always raised up. There were demonic leaders were able to get a stronghold in their lives, and they had to serve them. There's a king called Eglon. He was an evil king. His name in the roots means actually cycles. So the children of Israel got caught up in, in an evil cycle for 18 years. And the Holy Spirit said he is, he is placing, on something, he's placing something on you today. Because he said leaders are caught up in cycles and they've even gotten out of timing. But when the children of Israel cried out, God raised up a, a judge and a deliverer named Echad, and it means uniter, to gather. And that's part of what was on this plaque. And the Lord said, a new anointing is coming upon you for deliverance in this city to gather leaders. And Echad, he, he gathered them. But God gave this Echad, this judge and deliverer, he gave him an anointing and a strategy to get into the presence of this Eglon, this demonic king. This is a very demonic king that has a hold on God's people right now, where they can't get out of cycles. And when he privately met with this king, he was able to be alone with him. He had a two-edged sword, and he stabbed him in the gut. It said excrement came out, but that means useless matter. And the Lord said, I'm going to use you. You are going to be so skilled with this sword. It's two-edged. And you're going after this Eglon. And you're going to do it by the anointing of God. Because you're going to pull down this demonic king that's got people. Those of us in leadership, we know you can get in a cycle. And, and God is raising you up. The man was strategic enough to get out of that room. And what he did, he made a sound. He got a shofar. And his voice through the shofar literally caused his tribe to gather together with him 
and then they annihilated the Moabites. But this is what God said. You are a gatherer. You're gonna, you are strategically now called the deliverer. Amen. Will you receive this? Because it is a big commission, and we stand with you. Thank God James is here today to lay hands on you for divine protection and strategy. But your sound through that shofar will gather leaders together in unity. Unity is the key. So you are as echad, which God is echad, united in purpose. It means he's one. That anointing of one is coming upon you, Phil. And there be, you're not going to strain. You are going forward in great courage. So God said, put this word on you today. And it, it is now activated. Amen. Whoa, that's powerful. Would you all just stand and, and just give him an applause? Mark, do you have something? I didn't see you. Yeah. Yeah. Father God, we honor Phil. Man, I, I just kept getting this, this word, good wood. You're good wood. Good wood. There's a place around the corner called Good Wood, but uh, you're solid. You go low, slow, steady. You're a man of honor. You're a man of integrity. You don't fly and get whipped around in the wind. You don't do that. You build strong, and you build uh, with purpose, and you build with the future in mind. You do that with young leaders, with young men. You pour into the younger generation. You're fully present everywhere that you go, Phil. There's not a stranger that you meet. It's like the Lord uses you in every interaction that you have with people. And you deliver not only the atmosphere of heaven, but the heart of the Father into the heart. It bypasses even the mind of every individual you come into contact with. And they know that they're in a safe place. You're good wood. And you build with strong, good, intentional wood. Intricate wood. Not cheap. It's not paneling. It's not stuff that changes with the times. It's stuff that lasts. And it's always, it's always in season. It always looks appropriate for the time. Because it's majestic. And so, Lord, I just honor this mighty man of God who's got your heart. He is a uniter. He's a man of oneness. And, Lord, we just honor him in this place and bless him, bless him, bless him in Jesus' name. Um, This week, um, I think a lot of you know I get dreams. It's one of the primary ways that the Lord... Uh, speaks to me is in dreams. And I saw into heaven in the great uh, I'm not going to explain the dream. I saw into heaven in the great cloud of witnesses a young man. And he was healed and he was happy. I heard a song that everyone knows being sung in heaven. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have 
already come his grace that brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home amazing grace how heaven is singing this song over your lineage and legacy that saved a wretch like me is now on the other side healed and whole in the great cloud of witnesses by grace smiling healed and whole and heaven wants you to know there is no shame there is no blame and there is only a kiss being blown from heaven to you and to your wife this day. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Bill, do you want anything? <laughs> oh, gosh. That's pretty good. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, I had no idea. <laughs> Actually, I called Jerry and said, Jerry, I've got a, I won't mention who, but I've got an important appointment. Somebody's asked to see me. And Jerry said, I really need you. <laughs> I said, okay. So... Uh, I love all you guys. I thank you for this honor. Um, for for those who don't know, um, six months or so ago, my son, who had all sorts of issues, he was alcohol fetal syndrome, adopted, and uh, he committed suicide after struggling. In the front of his Bible, he had a demoniac who believes in the love of Jesus. That's what he had written in front of his Bible. And so, needless to say, my wife and I have uh, been through a, a tough time with saying goodbye and loving our son. But uh, love never ends. Love never ends. And that's very helpful to me. Um, my son loved Jesus and he just couldn't figure it out. Both his addiction and his mental illness and the demonic and everything else that was in his life. So thank you. I just, just a word of encouragement. Don't give up on those people that you love so much. You know, we watched him leave and walk down our driveway ten times, not, not to come back. And God preserved his life until his, you know, 
this year. So thank you for that, and thank you for this honor. I, I don't deserve it. I feel very uh, humbled by it. And you sneaky guy, you. <laughs> well, you did the same to me, so I got you back. All right. I have uh, the privilege of letting Marianne Ferreira share something with us. Uh, well, I just wanted to give an addendum to the word that Karen gave to you, Phil. Uh, Clay Nash had told me that King Eglon is the name of the principality over Tennessee. Now, people call the same principality different names, but he had a vision. I'm not sure I've got all the details right, but he, um, he had it in conjunction with the flooding on the Mississippi River, and the Lord told him that the waters would rise to a certain level in Memphis, and they did. And the watershed of the Mississippi River goes to 39 different states, and the Lord related that to the 39 kings that the Israelites defeated in the Bible. And the one that was, he said he spent like five years with a team over this. This wasn't a, this was a well thought out um, assignment from the Lord for him. But he said the king that was over, the principality that was over Tennessee is Eglon. So you have authority over that principality of Tennessee. So that's just one, yeah, just wanted to let you know that. That's a good word. See, there's a lot that escapes us, even though tons of stuff's coming at us all the time. I miss things, and I miss that one. So thank you so much, Marian. Well, we got, I think, plenty of books and even maybe another box in the trunk, so everybody's going to be booked today. Isn't that good? I'm going to take five because uh, Carl and Leanne Albrecht are kind of fighting the COVID thing, and so is Don Fento. No, no, not then. No, don't hear me. That Don Crossland and his team have been struggling a little bit. So be safe out there. Pray for these folks that are kind of under it. And Well, let's don't delay. This has been really something I'm looking forward to. I have a few really true friends, and here's one of them right here, that we've embraced through thick and thin some difficult seasons. So it's an honor. It's an honor. Come on up and share with us. James Gall. Okay. I printed out 11 pages of notes this morning. (laughs) Those of you who know me know that that's not unusual. Just to prove it, there it is. See? But it doesn't mean I will use them. <laughs> so, again, just uh, with the prophet book, um, I think that there's truly something in here for everyone. Some distinctions that would be in this book is that um, there is a chapter that's in here Uh, specifically not only for women, but it does definitely highlight women in the prophetic. And uh, that is definitely a subject that I have some uh, experience in. And I have become not just a cheerleader for, but a coach uh, for many strong women in the prophetic uh, just in the recent, this summer, I've had the honor of um, speaking at both uh, 
of two of the strongest women in the nation at both of their 70th uh, uh, birthdays celebrations, Patricia King, who today is having a major heart surgery, uh, oblation, or however you pronounce that. And so I want to pray for her because I'm one of her uh, advisors and one of my actually closest friends. So I uh, bring before you this dear pioneer in media and prophetic evangelism and in so many areas. And I just bring her before you because she's going into a major surgery right now. And I just speak over those surgeons that you will guide them in the name of Jesus. I also pray for supernatural intervention upon her and upon her life. And that you preserve that dear woman in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that she comes out better than she ever has been in for a long time. And that you will oversee that her and sustain her for the entire next decade and even 20 more years in Jesus' great name. Amen. And so I've had the honor of then recently in June being um, as an advisor with her ministry to speak at her 70th uh, anniversary or excuse me, birthday celebration. And I just was in Dallas this last weekend for uh, the general, uh, Cindy Jacobs. And as I'm one of her close, close friends, I'm actually godfather to uh, Mike and Cindy Jacobs' grandchildren. And that would be a whole story to explain, and I don't need to do that. But I walk very closely with Mike and Cindy Jacobs. And so I've just have come from Dallas also speaking at her 70th um, birthday celebration with leaders from actually all over the world that were gathered there. I don't know a person in the earth today that has ministered to more kings, presidents, governmental leaders, leaders of uh, industry uh, than that prophet. Than that prophet. I don't. And it's... uh, Quite an honor to be able to be a friend and a cheerleader and at times an advisor to these strong women prophets. So there's a chapter that's in here on um, women in leadership as prophets. Another distinction that's in here, though, is prophets and the rejection syndrome. And I have a little experience on that one, too. Uh Uh-huh. Part of that I learned from Archie Kindles and my friend, John Paul Jackson. And I learned a lot of us walking together many years ago in Kansas City. And um, so I just want to point out some of the distinctions. There is another chapter in here that I take some of the present day understandings and blend it together with some research teaching that I had actually worked on for years on the seven spirits of God. And so I blend it together with today's understandings on the seven cultural spheres of society. And so I take that and I blend it together, I believe, uh, in a balanced biblical manner on 
the seven spirits of God, and the seven cultural spheres. The last chapter then would be where I'm doing a gaze. And it is then where I take us on the journey into a prophetic gaze into the future. I look into the future, a vision of the bride of Christ. So anyway, that is my I'm going to put the book away or I'll teach from it, and that's not what I'm doing today. I want to share a few thoughts with you about when the Spirit, boy, this, wow, when the Spirit comes with conviction, when the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes with conviction. This is one of the most outstanding missing ingredients in our revival culture today. In fact, I don't know if it's actually true revival culture unless we have the restoration of the spirit of conviction. We have a lot of renewal. We have a lot of refreshing, which I love it all. But we must. Wow. We must have a restoration of the spirit of conviction of sin. And I am under a burden of the Lord to try in a brief moment to address this subject. When the Spirit comes with conviction. Father, thank you for this time. I ask for your help, for your grace, for your ability to help us in the swing of the pendulum. Because we have had a hyper-grace movement. And now we have a lot of problems on our hand. And now we're asking for your help. Because there is something that's so marvelous about amazing grace. And I do not want to take anything away from the marvel of your beautiful, majestic grace. How sweet the sound. But we need a return at the experiential conviction of the Holy Spirit. So I'm asking you, do you help me to be able to express what is being so deeply ingrained within me? A conviction about conviction. In Yeshua, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, obviously, if you follow the Hebrew calendar, you know that we are coming up to uh, in seemingly in an early fall, a uh, Hebrew New Year with uh, Rosh Hashanah coming up, the beginning just this next few days, then and then to seemingly for some of us in the Hebrew calendar, then um, um, the beginning of a new Hebrew year. And uh, I'm not going to be giving you like an address on like what perhaps is coming in for this new Hebrew year and things of that nature. 
But maybe I am and I don't know it. But maybe I am and I don't know it yet. But let's make sure we do look at our Bible. John chapter 16. John chapter 16, verses 7 and 8. John chapter 16. How many of you love your Bible? How many of you love your Bible? How many of you love your Bible? Come on. John 16, verses 7 and 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Like as though Jesus would, you know, like, why does he say that? I mean, you know, like as though Jesus is going to tell a lie? You know, I was like, okay, whatever. I mean, it was like, you know, there's a part of me that is a little bit of a goof, okay, you know. I mean, if you guys really know me, you know, it's just like, you know, I read this, it's like, really, Jesus? Okay, yes, okay. Nevertheless, okay, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. I'm sure they were going like, ah, I don't know about what you're saying right now, okay. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So far, they're not quite sure about what he's saying. And that is exactly why he had to put the precursor in place. Nevertheless, what I'm about to say really is the truth. But it isn't only about about me departing. And there's another one who's coming who's going to be the paraclete, the one that's called alongside your help, that is about the truth. It's the next part that is equally is what Jesus is saying. Nevertheless, I'm about to tell you the truth. It's verse 8 that we really we really need to pay attention to. And when he comes, when that helper, when that one who's called along your side comes, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. When the Spirit comes with conviction. So folks, Jesus is saying, it's to your advantage that I'm going to depart. Because I'm going to send a helper. And part of the job of this helper is that he's going to convict the world. But part of the problem in some of today's sloppy teaching is that they teach it something like this rendition. 
and I've heard it myself in pulpits in Nashville, Tennessee. From the buckle belt of Nashville, Tennessee, I've heard it in pulpits, in popular pulpits myself in Nashville, Tennessee. And they would preach it, taught it something like this. That the Holy Spirit's job, because it says that he would, the Holy Spirit would convict the world, that he would convict sinners in the world concerning sin, righteousness and judgment to come. But then once a sinner who's lost is convicted, he know the Holy Spirit's job is done, and he no longer convicts Believers, because his job is to convict the world. And since we are no longer in the world, but we are now saints, he does not convict. Do you hear me? That is, has been taught in this city. I've heard it with my own ears. And I cringed when I heard it. Because you do get what you preach to a certain degree. And when you X out conviction, you no longer, to a certain degree, you, if you preach there's no healing, well, you're not going to get a whole lot of healing. And when you preach healing, eventually, you're going to get healing. When you preach conviction, you're going to get conviction. And when you X out conviction that the Holy Spirit no longer convicts believers, Guess what? You get licentiousness. And people do what's right in their own eyes. Somebody say, that's good preaching. And it's a part of the big, 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 big problem that's happened. Because we opened the door to licentiousness. Now, when the Spirit comes with conviction. (sighs) I love grace. I am so grateful for grace. I, we are all should be so grateful for grace. I am not anti-grace, but I don't like the religious spirit. And thank God for an emphasis and a revelation of grace. Now, but what I'm going to present is not in its totality. But I'm going to just share real quick, but I have a parable I've I got to present from out of my own life, a prophetic parable. But before I get to that, I want to just share with you about five classic characteristics of revival. Looking back over true authentic revival history, you can find at least, I'm not saying that this is a totality, but you can find at least five classic characteristics of revival. Each revival has distinct and strong characteristics. Authentic revival includes the church being returned to its original condition, evangelism and discipleship, and empowering believers into positive societal change. Here are five very quick Five classic characteristics of authentic revival. One, 
a passionate denunciation of sin. James 4.4 reminds us that sin is an enemy, not our friend. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. George Whitfield, apostolic teaching, straightforward. George Whitfield, who in the 1700s preached like a lion, and people were compelled to listen whether they wanted to or not. We need, we need to impress upon people to know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God. In today's hyper-grace culture, people are tagged that they are religious. If preaching or discussions are too candid, the passionate denunciation of sin is one of the characteristics of authentic revival. A second characteristic is a revelation of God's holiness. 1 Peter 1.6, you shall be holy as I am holy. Jonathan Edwards preached under this conviction also in the 1700s. Many other revivalists as well, including one that I knew, the fabled Leonard Ravenhill, who authored Why Revival Tarries. It was said that Edwards was consumed with the extraordinary sense of the awful awareness of the holiness of God, not wanting to do anything that would not please God. Again, I understand that there could be a tightrope here of holiness if it's not grace-empowered. Number three, a deep awareness of the love and the mercy of God. You must have all of these ingredients. If you don't have this and you're doing what I just emphasized, the holiness of God, well, it could turn into legalism. So a third characteristic of authentic, classic characteristics of revival is a revelation of the deep awareness of the love and the mercy of God. Romans 8 35 to 39. What could separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or trouble or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, just as it is written, for your sake, we are, are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquered through Him who loved us. For I am convinced. I'm reading my notes for a moment. Yes, I am. I know I am. To keep myself targeted, and then I'm going to tell you some stories. But in all things, we are overwhelmingly conquered through him who loved us. For I am convinced I have faced death myself. I have been close to death's doorway four times myself. And recently... A few weeks ago, I felt myself slipping away again. I know what it's like. I felt myself getting weaker and weaker, week by week and day by day. I felt myself slipping away again. I know.
I am convinced that neither death nor life. You know what? I am not afraid to go. I am absolutely not afraid to go. But I have had encounters where I have gone to heaven. I don't know if Jason Ford is in here right now or not, but Jason Ford was in a hospital room with me. Well, I went to heaven, and I was sent back. My late wife gave me some orders. And she said, in the great cloud of wisdom, she gave me orders. Now, if you have trouble with that, well, you got trouble with God and his Bible. I don't have time to teach all that, but you can read my books, and it's all scripturally grounded. That, and she said, you must stay here. Whoa, the general just spoke. Mm. And you must stay here because you're called to terrorize the devil. Terrorize the devil. Terrorize the devil. For the next 20 years, you've got to terrorize the devil. Terrorize. I keep trying to slip away. I'm tethered here for your sake to terrorize the devil. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything. Nor anything that is able to separate us from the love of, from what? The love of God. That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. One of the outstanding characteristics of, classic characteristics of revivals, the passionate denunciation of sin. Study the the, the revivals that happened at Asbury Seminary. The Holy Spirit would come with conviction and they would come forward and, con- and without shame confess their sins. A revelation of God's holiness because when God's, you have a revelation of His holiness, we see that our righteousness is like filthy rags. I don't care how good you are. But it's the third point that grips me. It's a deep awareness of the great love and the mercy of God. And a fourth one is a heightened consciousness of eternity. You know why we don't have that many people getting saved in church meetings? We don't talk about heaven and hell. When was the last time you heard a sermon on hell? To hell with it. We don't. Do you know why? We're not convinced about it anymore. We're too modern. But the places that I see where people are coming to the Lord, they give a gospel presentation. They don't accept that everybody that fills a seat has got a reservation. Mm -mm. 
Mm-mm. My dear friend, Che On, even if somebody has paid $150 to attend a conference, you know, he don't, no matter what, he will take at least three minutes, five minutes at the end of every session and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's always somebody who comes to faith. And I attend the belonging. And you know what? You know one of the reasons why there's people who come to faith there every week? They cast a net every week. Yes, it's one of the reasons. It is one of the reasons. They don't accept that just because there's a bunch of charismatics that show up that everybody's saved. No, they can't. Seriously, it is so refreshing. It is so refreshing because at the end of every service, they cast a net every week. When I was in, in Argentina ministering, in uh, Buenos Aires, uh, Argentina, and in Mar del Plata, and in other places with, you know, an entourage of people, oh my goodness, was it ever amazing! They had evangelists on the staff. Because an evangelist, when an evangelist preaches the gospel, you get a different result than when a pastor casts a net. Oh, was it ever fascinating? Oh, Jesus, it's not my notes. I got some stuff, other stuff I got to do, so I got to do this real fast. Was it ever an eye opener for me? So because I prophesied with this one man, I called him out and I said, hey, you come here. Because I saw a church planting mantle that had fallen from some person that was really famous. He had a church of 60,000 people and he fell into immorality. And I called this one other guy out and I said, you come here. And, and, and I was there with uh, Ed Silvosa and all of these other people and Edward, and, you know, and, and, and I was there at a, uh, anyway, a large gathering and thousands of leaders from all over South America. It was my first time there, and Cindy Jacobs was there, and, and she, she was just hoping that I was going to do halfway decent, and, and Peter Wagner was there, and Ed Silvosa, the whole crew, and, and it was just like, and, and I called this, an angel showed up in my, my room, and I didn't know I was going to speak, and Ed Silvosa said, James, you're up, and I go, I'm not up, I'm scared, and, uh, and, uh, and that's the truth. And that's the way it works. And, uh, and so I was just going, Jesus, help me. I hope I have something to say. And, uh, and so I called this one man up because I saw something. I called him up and I go, and it's going to be, you know, translated into Spanish, you know, and I go, uh, uh, your, your name is prophetic and it's being translated. And, and I go, oh, I see something and it's been, you know, being translated. And, and I said, your name is prophetic. And then I repeat because I didn't know what else to say. And that's the way it works also. And, and so Jesus help me right now. And, um, and so, then I go, oh, I see it right now, it's, and I'm seeing a vision, but I'm trying to now interpret and be translated, and that is tricky. And so I'm going, oh, your name is prophetic. I said it already three times, see, and they knew I already said it three times, and now Cindy Jacobs is definitely kicking into uh, hyper tongues, uh, praying for her little brother to get something right. And so uh, she's now like a... Yeah, really going shaba shaba shaba, okay? And uh, yes, and I have another part of the message I'm going to give you. And so, um, uh, so she's over here interceding for me, and so said Salvosa and everybody. And so, and I go, oh, it's a festival. Then I go, no, that's not right. <laughs> and then I go, it's a Ferris wheel. I go, no, that's not right either. And I go, oh, it's a carnival. 
and his name was Carnival. And everybody knows him. He's a very well-known. I didn't know him. And everybody starts laughing and cheering and clapping because his name was Apostle Carnival. And he had one of the fastest-growing churches in Argentina. So that opened the door, and everybody thought that I could give everybody their names. Well, that put a lot of pressure performance. And so then I went on to Mar del Plata, and then because of that incident, then they whisked me driving over 100 miles an hour to get to his church then later uh, in a service. The reason I'm telling this story is because was it ever an eye-opening event for me. So here it is, multiple services. They had staff evangelists take five minutes in the middle of a service and they would do five minutes and an evangelist would do it and preach the gospel of Jesus. And when an evangelist would preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and cast the net, the anointing of an evangelist preaching the gospel is totally different than a pastoral anointing. Oh, my goodness. And people would flock to the front to get saved. Because why? There was experiential conviction of sin. There was the, the, the realities of the, the eternal uh, realities of the, 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 the understanding of a real heaven and a real hell. And they were coming to the front. And I'm like going, it's like, and, and, and I preached three or four of these, these, the, these services. And every time they had, Interjected for five minutes, an evangelist to preach the gospel. And I go, what a novel idea. What a brilliant application. So, in classic characteristics of revival, a fourth characteristic is a heightened consciousness of eternity. The last one I want to mention is what I'm trying to speak on. The fifth is experiential conviction of sin. John 16, 7 and 8. I tell you the truth, that when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin of righteousness and judgment. One of the primary ministries of the Holy Spirit is to convict. Convicting the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment ties into the conscious awareness of eternity and judgment to come. The Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. That is God's job. Part of the amazing work of the Holy Spirit, He convicts, He convinces humans of our condition of sin and our need for righteousness and the reality that we will each stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We need a restoration of when the Spirit comes with conviction. We have had in part a restoration of when the Spirit comes with power. But we need badly in America, in the church, 
in America, Larry Tomczak, it was a part of the brilliant, hot preaching of Steve Hill. There was when the Spirit comes with conviction. It wasn't only renewal. The Spirit came with conviction. Now, I bring us to James Gall, walk with God in dream language and parables today. I've been going through my, you know, trials, my health, and these different dimensions with the damaged sciatic nerve pain for the last eight and a half or so years. And and then, and sometimes I haven't been able to drive my car. There's been weeks that I don't even get out of my house. And, and sometimes it's been really difficult. Sometimes it's been very lonely. Sometimes it's just been really, really hard. But God, but God, but God, and I'm only saying a tiny bit, because this is not a self-pity time, but God. So, the month of July, I I had three infections again. My immune system just kept getting more suppressed and more suppressed, and I just really didn't know what was going on. My body in the month of, uh, I was going to the David Price Regenerative Center by a word of knowledge that the Lord gave me. And it's an amazing place in Cool Springs. And I can't go into all the details, and that's been a godsend for me. But the problem was, when I was doing some therapy there, my body actually went into a place of electrical shock. And I was just doing just basic, um, some basic therapy that something got triggered and my body while on a, uh, uh, doing some physical therapy, my body went into a short, a literal electrical shock. And it was traumatizing. And they didn't know what was going on. And I didn't know what was going on. And it was pretty Shocking. And then that kicked in gear for the next two weeks, three weeks, to where at home in the middle of the night, at 2 o'clock in the night, my body would just uh, wake up at 2 in the morning, and my body would go into electrical shocks. And nobody knew what the triggers were. No one. And, and, um, and, And my body would just freak out and shake and tremble and, Nobody, and I did MRIs, and there was nothing changed, and there was nobody new, and I didn't talk a lot and to people, tell people the details, and I think that was in the month of May, and it was pretty complex and hard. Says so my body just went into these freaky. Uh, four times, I think, at home, uh, electrical shocks. And so, uh, listen, I know Sozo, and I know uh, HeartSync, and I know 
uh, restoring the foundations, and and I meet with Margaret Phillips, and so uh, believe me, I know um, a lot of inner healing and deliverance and therapies and things. Okay, so um, and I've no trauma prayers too. Okay, so uh, this was nonetheless really not fun. Then I got a sinus infection, then I got another one, and then I got another one, and I just started getting weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. And so I wasn't being seen a lot. So for me to come and hear you RT that day, sorry, dear sir, I love you a lot, and I was in a lot of freaking pain, and I really was. And I was I was trying to be really nice that day, and I might have come across uh, um, in maybe not the best manner. And, and I was, sometimes I am like biting a bullet, <laughs> um, you know, because I have been at times in enormous amount of pain, even though I'm on um, pain management, et cetera. So I, when I do get out, sometimes it's like, it's a, sometimes it's just a, a sacrifice. But hey, I have all four limbs, and I, uh, uh, I have many, many, many reasons to be grateful and thankful, and I'm a really fruitful, diligent man of God, and I put my hand to the plow, and I do not give up, and I, every morning, I say to myself, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it, and every day I say, uh, miracles are mine, miracles are coming to me, and miracles are flowing through me. So there's that. So. But I went through those electrical shocks, and then I had these infections, and they just wouldn't lift. And I had medications, and da 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 Then comes July. This goes into my message. Believe it or not, this all relates. The Holy Spirit says to me, I have a dream. And he says, I am coming to cleanse my house. So I go, okay. That was in June. And he says, okay. And I go, all right. I have prayed cleansing prayers a hundred times. Oh, maybe 250, maybe a thousand times. And I go, okay, I'm going to intentionally pray. Every day I'm choosing a different subject in the month of July. And I'm going to pray through disappointment again. I'm going to pray through relational difficulties again. I'm going to pray through, and I picked a different topic intentionally on every day on cleansing my house. Now, I knew it was a parable for the body of Christ. But I know enough at this point in time that I won't have a message for you unless I work the message in me. And I work with him to get the message in me. You got it? All right? So he says to me in a dream, I am coming to what? Cleanse my house. That deals with conviction. And so I was welcoming conviction all over again. Come, Holy Spirit, breathe conviction. Cleanse my house. Would you pray that after me? Come, Holy Spirit. You got to wait. Wait, 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 wait. Do you know the word after? I say it, you wait, and then you do it after. 
With is with, after is after. I said after. You don't know what I'm going to do until it's after. So I said pray after. So pray this after me. Because I might change it now. Come Holy Spirit. Bring your conviction. conviction. Now, wait, are you sure you want to pray this? Come, Holy Spirit. Bring your conviction concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. Cleanse my house. For Jesus Christ's sake, and the reward of your suffering. Amen. So I went into the month of July with a dream, and intentionality with a topic to pray through every day, knowing I wouldn't be complete on each day, and let them also then take it over two, three, four days, seven days if I needed. But I was picking topics. And I was doing it all over again, a hundredth time. Dysfunctionality, rejection issues, disappointment. If I have to go deeper on it, maybe I'll, you know, whatever. Close the door, open the door, slam the door. I'm praying for conviction. Because I do not want to take into a new season... Something that maybe was even okay in a previous season, it might not be okay in the next season. Oh, I'm getting the preach on right now. Because I don't want to... New light. New New light exposes old levels of darkness. And I know this. That's why I will pray the same prayers again. So I went into the month, this month of July, 2021, for a month of cleansing and convict, welcoming conviction. So I get into it. And then I had some disturbing dreams. that he started revealing to me some cycles. Go, oh, that I didn't know. That I was about to repeat. They seemed subtle. But the Holy Spirit did not, and I'm not going to say what they were, But he didn't want me to repeat and carry over into the next season. They seemed pretty subtle. But they were important to him that I would not repeat this cycle of expectation or even some subtle ways I treated some people. And he pointed them out to me. Oh, you mean I'm about to, oh, really, oh, oh, 20 years ago? And I'm, whoa, oh, okay. Of a, oh, uh, oh, a cycle. Oh, that was 
brilliant word you just gave, Karen. Brilliant word. Now, i got to go forward, I know. Huh. Then, he comes to me more dramatic in the middle of July with another dream. That's one of the primary ways he speaks to me, other than literally the Bible, the Word of God, and says this. I am coming to do a house inspection, and I see a man literally coming into my literal home where I live in Franklin. A man coming into my house and inspecting my house. And I hear the word, I am coming to inspect your house. I wake up out of that dream. I'm coming to inspect your house. A house inspector is coming. And I wake up out of the dream, and my knower is wide awake, is totally alert. And the word, I didn't hear a word, I didn't see a word, my knower knows a word. And it was the word mold. The word mold, M-O-L-D. Um, I didn't hear it. I didn't see it. I often see words. I hear words. But my knower knew a word. Out of the dream, he said, I am coming to inspect your house. And I see in the dream a literal house inspector coming to inspect my house. I wake up out of the dream. My knower knows mold, M-O-L-D. And I'm like, I wake up and I go, mold? Wait, I thought these were spiritual dreams. Okay, we're going to identify hindrances. That's what that is. Yes, we're going to identify hindrances. But my knower knows. Yes, it's hindrances. But there's something in my house. So you know what I did? I pulled on my mover. If you know, I'm also a life language communications coach, and a mover is one of the seven languages. And I pulled on my mover, and that's not one of my strong languages. I'm a shaper and a contemplator and a responder. And I pulled on my mover, and I immediately went and did a Google to go find a mold inspector. And the next day, I had a mold inspector come to my house. He inspected a professional mold and found mold in my house. And then the next three days, a professional crew went underneath my house, gutted my house because it was full of mold. Three kinds of mold gutted the entire underneath of my house. It was filled with mold that had come through the vents and had infected or infested my house. I didn't know it. I had been come through the vents, and I had been breathing. And it had been suppressing my immune system for a long time, probably. And that's why I couldn't get well. And I kept going down, and I kept going down, and I kept slipping. And I felt I was, I was literally losing strength. I did, and no medication was helping me. I wasn't responding. And because my immune system was getting weaker and weaker and weaker, 
everything that I was doing at all of, you know, I couldn't keep any progress that I was making. And then the sciatic nerve pain was just like escalating. So I have a dream. I'm coming to cleanse my house. I'm coming to do a house inspection. I wake up out of it. Mold. A hindrance. It was literal and it was spiritual. I had an inspector come the next day. I had a professional crew come. Within three days, they gutted the entire underneath of my house. Put in everything new. New dehumidifier. I have got the highest tech new inventions from the nation of Israel. That uh, catches bacteria that's in my house now. And then I had to see an ENT specialist. My primary care doctor, it took two and a half weeks to see an ENT specialist. Now, here's where it gets fun. I still had an infection. My immune system was still, like, not in recovery zone. I was not traveling. I wasn't going anywhere. Me speaking at the Nashville Women's Conference was the first time I had done anything for a while. Me going to Dallas last weekend was the first time I'd been on a plane for a long time. Except for going to Patricia Cakes also in pain. Now, so listen. Here's what happens. So it took me two and a half weeks to get into an ENT specialist. I had talked to, seen my primary care doctor three and a half days before. I still had an infection. The eustachian tube from my ear to hear was swollen shut, and I was losing some of my hearing in, in this ear. That was before I went to see the ENT specialist. So I go. It was a hard ordeal. I was really weak. I was by myself. I probably shouldn't have been by myself. I was five minutes late for my appointment. I called to tell them that I was late. And when I got there, I met the law. What I mean I met the law they turned me away because I was five minutes late. But I called to tell them that I was lost in the parking lot. And I met the law. The problem was, at the hospital, it was the very same place where I had had my first diagnosis of cancer. And old memories have stored emotions. So here I am alone. Whoa. Emotions. Memories, triggers, felt abandoned, the orphan spirit crashes in on me, all the diagnosis, all the stuff I've gone through for the last 14 years crashes in on more than more than that, actually. It all just, you know, it, it floods me. I am turned away from my appointment, and they're going to reschedule me for two or three weeks later. And I am just, I just lose it. I lost it. I am so weak, <laughs> just so, I was fragile. I couldn't believe, and I begged for mercy, and I met the law. When I mean the law, I mean I met. They would not let me see the doctor. I just couldn't believe it. And I even called. So I leaned, I turned away, and it was the very same location where I'd gotten the cancer diagnosis, you know, however many years ago. I turned away, and I leaned up against the wall, and I wept. 
I wept. I felt I had some kind of like an Isaiah, Hezekiah kind of moment. And I leaned up against the wall and I wept. And then a black lady comes, gives me a cup of water. And gives me a handkerchief and says, it's going to get better. I drank the cup of water. And then I met the law and then I met mercy. I met the law. I hit the law and then I met mercy. With that black lady with a cup of water. With a handkerchief. And she said, it's going to get better. And then immediately, they say this, the doctor will see you now. Oh, so I go in, I sit in the chair, he sticks the probe way up in there. I was blocked, I was clogged, I had an infection. I could not breathe. I could hardly breathe. He sticks up in there, the probe. Sorry, I'm going longer than I should. But this is worth hearing the fine. The last statement. Well, it's a video screen. Oh, I don't know it. It sticks that probe up in there. I can see everything. Well, there's nothing there to see. It's all clear. But this is the side that was really bad. He sticks the probe way up in there. and He's puzzled, and so am I, because it's like, wow, that's a really cool picture. <laughs> I'm having fun. I was crying. Now I'm laughing. (laughs) And he's puzzled. So he takes the probe out. He gets on the phone to another specialist. Sticks it back up in there and he says to me, now I'm going to really push that thing way up in there. Pushes it as far as he can. And he says, well, I want you to know this. You, listen to these words, you cleanse your house really well. So he said, remember my dreams, the words? He said, you cleanse your house really well. Listen to the next, and he says, listen to the next words. I just did an inspection of your house, and there's no signs of any infection or no signs of any mold. All you need to do is drink more water. I'll see you in a month. I went in there. The primary care doctor said I would have an immediate CT scan, and I would have to do a nasal surgery scrape and all that stuff. And I've had one done over 20 years ago, and they are extraordinarily painful. I left that place going, what just happened? I'm still not sure. I think when I... I think when I leaned up against the wall, mercy showed up. I hit the wall. And then mercy showed up. And I am here to say, We must welcome cleansing. And we must welcome the experiential conviction of the Holy Spirit to come cleanse His house 
It is a missing ingredient to authentic, classic revival. And I have a warning, and it is this. Warning. Be on the watch for the egalitarian spirit, which is actually the opposite of the culture of honor. Be on the watch on these three things. An egalitarian spirit, which is the opposite of the culture of honor. Be on the watch concerning trauma. We need to get our traumas healed. We don't want to carry the egalitarian spirit that we are all equal. We are all equal, but we, there is authority in the church and in the home and in the family. Be on the watch for these three things. The egalitarian spirit. Let us get cleansed. Get healed and get cleansed of trauma. And number three, watch out for the spirit of offense. We must get cleansed of these things and whatever else the Holy Spirit brings conviction in your house because I am here to say as we go into a new year, the Holy Spirit is coming with conviction. And so we say, Holy Spirit, come and bring conviction because when you come with conviction and with the deep Mercy and love of God and the restoration of the realities of heaven and hell and all of the other great things. There will be a restoration of the greatest awakening that we have known in a long, long time. This is James Gull, and I endorse this message. Amen. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. You have to listen to this on Facebook as I post it or on our website. This is rich. This is deep meat here. And I had a prophetic word sent to me that I want to share because, you know, this is, I believe, the king of the parabolic parable. Does anybody know what I mean? But he walks out, so often is a word for the body. Outside here, it's interesting, they're replacing the transformer. Huh? What's going on there? Significant because it has to do, James, with poles of revival being set in Nashville. And you're one of those poles of revival that power lines can be hung on. You better get hold of that power line, folks. And then this word says, I believe it's a healing word, a picture for James and the church. They're replacing the transformer because that's what controls the flow of electricity-like events like he's been talking about. If that resonates, thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. You know, we carry such treasure in us, and we can, if we listen... If we step in close, he's got the answers. <laughs> he knows exactly what he wants to do in each and every one of us. So, 
Lord, thank you for James and this timely word. Thank you, Lord, for all of us who've been able to be blessed today. And Lord, bless increased healing in his body. Increase favor upon you, my friend. He's given up so much, and there's been lots of loss, you know, not just the financial part, but just many things that he felt he was to be a part of, but he couldn't. So, Lord, I thank you for this new season, and as you said, as we go into the new year, increase favor, healing, multiplication. There's so many more books, so many more TV shows and, and podcasts. Rachel and I, my daughter Rachel and I have done Insight together on Facebook and YouTube, but we will be doing that as a bona fide television show, uh, filming it this fall, and it will be launched in 2022. You can find that all by going to EncountersNetwork.com, and it will got Encounters. Uh, you, you can see it on the book. There's, his address is everywhere. We've had it up here as well. God bless you all. Be blessed. You have one thing? All right. We're all here. And um, let's just really. Just a second. Okay. I just really feel the, the tugging of the Holy Spirit that we just need to be praying for our sister church. I'm not going to say a name specifically because everybody probably already knows. But a sister church locally is in great need of our prayer, and uh, I just feel led that we should just uh, take a moment just to briefly um, lift them up. Well, I'll say who it is. Well, okay, <laughs> then I will just say that it's Grace Chapel. Everybody knows. And the Lord gave me the scripture, the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But that's not the end, because the other part of that scripture says, but he has come to bring life. And so I speak life into that fellowship, into that congregation, beginning at the very top all the way down. And I pray for a spirit of unity, the same, just like Aaron, the running down the beard of Aaron, all the way down in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, in, in Jesus' name, the spirit of offense that James addressed. And yes, and all that he said could be applied to all of our circles of influence. Because it's infiltrated into a lot of our relationships. And it's just so important that we deal a death blow to it, bring it under the foot of the cross. Because the church will survive and will arise, but it's got to have a house cleaning first. Let him start here. It might be hard. But James said, this is the way in. And John Wimber used to tell us the way in is the way on. <laughs> So simple, isn't it? God bless you, and thank you for coming. And would you bless Phil with a hug and just a, a special appreciation. This man's been an example for us all. God bless you now.